Paul was saying that we put no confidence in the flesh. We don't put confidence in the flesh. The, the, there are people that would, that would count on themselves and their upbringing and, and things like that to be able to uh, give them righteousness and make them right with God. And Paul says we don't do that. We don't put confidence in the flesh. And so uh, we're going to keep going because he didn't ex- exactly explain what that means. So uh, we're going to look at that today. If you have a Bible, please open it to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 4. If you're using the Bibles under the chairs, it's on page 981. It's also in your outline, and it'll be up on the screens. Okay, show of hands, how many of you are using an actual Bible to do this? Yeah. How many of you are using a phone? How many of you are using the bulletin or counting on the the screens? Totally. Okay, cool. Just making sure we don't need to, like, stop using the screens or something. Okay. All right. So here we go. Um, In verse 3, he just got done saying that we don't put confidence in the flesh. And here is verse 4. Though I myself, that's Paul, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul is sharing um, his testimony with the Philippians. He's sharing part of his story of where he comes from. And, and he's talking about his life before Christ. And he's saying, if anyone was going to have confidence in the flesh, in the things that we can control in this life, if anyone was going to have confidence in the flesh that they're right with God, it's me, Paul. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was circumcised the right way of the people of Israel. I was a, a, in Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a prestigious tribe, a Hebrew of Hebrews, which means that he had Hebrew parents. Both of his parents were Hebrews. He wasn't a, a convert. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, he was a member of the Pharisees. As to zeal, he was a persecutor of Christians. And as to righteousness, under the law, he was blameless. He says, all of the things that, that people want, I had. You've heard people tell stories of um, when they came to Christ and they were at the, the end of their rope, right? They hit rock bottom and I gave my life to Jesus. Paul is saying, I gave my life to Jesus when I had everything to lose. I had it all. Everything that people wanted, I had. If Paul had showed up somewhere in Israel, he's a persecutor of the Christians, which would have given him prestige. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He had a, he had a, a good family. He was, he was taught well. It would be like today. So today's version of Paul would be an American who was um, born, uh, his, his father was a pastor and his mother was the, was the choir director. 
and he was baptized as soon as he could be, and he became a member of his church as soon as they would allow, and he went on, uh, became a missionary, and then he came back, and he went to seminary, and he shows up at your church, and the first thing you ask him is, will you speak at the men's breakfast? (laughs) Amen. This is somebody people want to be like. Paul is somebody to be admired within the Jewish community. He's got elite status within that community. He hadn't hit rock bottom. Yes, he got blinded. But he still had his community. He still had his people. He still had his, well, there there are three things about his past life. You can look at the privilege that he had, the personal achievements that he had, and his pedigree. And he's able to lean on those things in his life. And they give him status. He had everything. He says, I had it all. If anyone was going to be confident in the flesh, it's me, guys. It's me. Let's let's read on. This is verse 7. He says, But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul says, there are people out there who are saying you should have this and you should do this and you should have these things and you should participate in these because they they help your righteousness. And Paul was saying, if that's true, I had it. I had righteousness. But the fact is, is that everything that I had, everything that I gained, everything that people want to be right with God, I had and I gave it all up. Whatever gain I had, I counted that as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus said that we would have to count the cost before following him. He said when people go to build a building, They figure out how much it's going to cost before they start. Otherwise, they're going to start and they're going to give up and it'll look silly. They'll be foolish. Jesus said, you have to do that same thing before you follow me. You have to understand what it's going to cost. You need to count the cost. And in Luke 14, 33, Jesus said, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And that's what Paul is saying, is I had everything and I counted all that I had gained in this life as loss for the sake of Christ. So that, and here's what he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, worth of knowing Christ Jesus, of knowing Christ Jesus. Paul is telling you, 
He's telling the Philippians about how he went through this counting the cost. He counted up everything and said, everything that I have, everything that everybody wants, when I look at the possibility of knowing the very word of God, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, everything that I have, it it looks like trash. It looks like rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of being able to know Jesus. Think about just the fact that we can know Jesus. I don't want to have to take you all the way back to Genesis, but let's do it. Let's go all the way back to Genesis and think about God existing forever and ever and ever and then choosing to create and choosing to create us because of his love and choosing to give us the ability to have a relationship with him. That Jesus that the Bible says all things were made by him and through him and for him. That Jesus has provided us with a way to know him, not just to know of him, but to know him. Why would he do that? For me, for you. Because Jesus provides that for us, he opens his arms and says, I've created a way for you to know me. Paul says, everything that I have in this life is like, it's like the, it's like, what am I going to do with it? Am I, am I going to hold on to this so that, and it's going to keep me from, from chasing Jesus? No, no, I can't. That would be crazy. Ephesians, which Paul also wrote, chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, Paul puts it this way. He's writing to the, the Christians in Ephesus. He says, May you have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You have to just love Paul's heart here. When he's, when, he, he's, when he's faced with Jesus as a persecutor of the church, someone who is going to Damascus to find and kill Christians, he gets blinded on the road by Jesus, and his experience with Christ is so powerful that he says, everything that I was working my whole life for it's like recycling. It's rubbish. You know, I will give it up. I look at it like it's rubbish in order to chase and to know Jesus because he's worth everything. He's worth everything. He's worth everything that you could give up to have him and more. Amen. And your desire to know Jesus is evidence of your faith in him. If you don't desire to know Jesus, you're either not a Christian, you need to wake up. 
have this desire to know Christ like Paul did and take everything that's in your life, every part of the, 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 the world, not your spiritual life, but every part of the world, and give it up or be willing to give it up to know Jesus. And Paul, when he says this, he's really just saying that he's willing to follow through with the thing that makes salvation, that salvation commitment. When you give your life to Jesus, you're, you're saying, I give up everything for you. I die to myself so that I can be alive in you. And Paul's saying, you need to keep doing that. He's saying, I keep doing that. He's just willing to follow through with his salvation commitment, which is, it's in your outline, lose yourself to gain Christ. When you count the cost, that's what you're counting. You're taking all of the things. What does it mean to lose yourself? What does that mean? All of it. What does all of it mean? What will it cost to lose yourself? And then what does it bring to gain Christ? That's counting the cost. And you just need to understand, if you became a Christian and no one ever told you this stuff, I'm sorry. I'm telling you right now. Lose yourself means lose everything that's important to you except for Jesus. Jesus, when he was talking about counting the cost, he said, you have to be willing to hate your mother and your father and your brother and your sister. Everybody. You have to be willing to give up everything that matters to you if Jesus wants you to. Lose yourself to gain Christ and keep doing it. And keep doing it. Knowing Jesus is worth it. That's what Paul says. It's worth it. That the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. But the loss still hurts. That's why if you look at, at verse 8, in the middle of verse 8, why he said, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as r- rubbish. He says he suffers. So... Paul is looking at his life and he's saying, I've given up everything so that I can know Jesus and it's worth it. It's worth it. But knowing Jesus, in knowing Jesus, for his sake, because I know him, in my knowledge of him, I've suffered the loss of all things. Paul doesn't say I've happily given them up. We have to understand that in this life of faith, we have to give up things. And it hurts. It's supposed to hurt. God's given us this ability to latch on to things and to, um, to fellowship with people and to, to love things in this world, in this creation. And he also sometimes calls us away from those things. And that hurts. And that's why Paul says, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. How can something be rubbish and still hurt to give up? Because wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt you to throw out the trash, would it? So how can it be both ways? Well, 
I was thinking about that a lot while I was watching the mouse last night. Here's what I came up with. A few weeks ago, a couple months ago, um, Missy and I went on a mission to clean out the toys in our house, primarily because I don't like stepping on Ninja Turtles at night and feeling like my foot's broken, um, but also because we just don't want to have, you know, like a toy tornado in our house. It just looks terrible, right? So we wanted to clean it up, and we thought, we just have too many toys. We've got two little boys. One's this big, one's this big, and we have this many toys for them, and, you know, the mass just doesn't equal. So we thought, let's, let's clean up. And so we started cleaning up the toys, and you know what? Every toy had a story, and it was annoying because we wanted to talk about it. We had this... Um, this little plastic wrestler who was like three inches, and he had a, I'm not joking, he had a toothbrush coming out of his back. So he was like this, and he had this big uh, toothbrush coming out. And uh, who would think, right? Um, But I actually gave that to Missy for her 18th birthday right after we started dating. It was part of a joke, so, I mean, it's, it would be too long to tell you the joke, but we started t- telling the story about that little wrestler guy, and we're like, do we throw him away? I mean, do we donate him to the trash can, or do we keep him? He's got value. And in that moment, you, you have to realize that something has value and is hard to give up, but compared to not breaking my foot at night, I can give it up, right? So it, it, I can look at it in comparison as rubbish, but it's still got value. That's what Paul is talking about here. The things, that, the things that you're proud of, the titles, the trophies, the, the, the reputation that you have, the things you've spent your life trying to uh, accumulate and get and you know, make a name for yourself. Those things that you have in your life that you're proud of, that maybe define you, that, that, that are, are part of your identity, they, they help you explain who you are when people ask about you. Those things are important to you. And Paul says, those things are important to me too. He's not talking about being a Pharisee and being like, meh, who cares about that? He's not talking about being blameless under the law and being like, meh, who cares about that? He's saying, those things matter to me. I worked hard for those things, but Jesus is worth so much more than everything that I could give up in this life. It's not actually rubbish. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I look at them like they're rubbish, even though it hurts to get rid of them. It hurts, but it's still worth it. You know why? Because the righteousness that we get from Jesus, that's the only place to get righteousness. The only way to have eternal life is by by knowing Christ and being found in him. 
All of the other stuff is a distraction, and we have to give it up. Verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Well, let's just stop there. Yeah! I would give all that stuff up to know him and the power of his resurrection. Amen? Eternal life with Jesus. Yeah? The resurrection, resurrected bodies where we can slam dunk a basketball together. Yes? Yes. Eternal life. Would you give up everything that you've accumulated in this life in order to have eternal, perfect life with Jesus? Yes, you would. Yes, you would. I give all of that stuff up because of the righteousness that is imputed to me by Christ Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, amen, and may share in his sufferings. Well, hang on a second. If I have to lose myself so that I may gain Christ, what does it mean to gain Christ? I get to gain the power of his resurrection. Yes, I get to gain righteousness by him. Yes, I also get to gain his suffering, becoming like him in his death. that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You don't get a fast pass to heaven. Fast pass, that's a Disney thing. I forgot. I'm in New Mexico. You don't get a... Bus pass to heaven. Not the same. Look, you don't get to catch the expressway and go straight to heaven. When you give your life to Jesus, there's a reason why he doesn't zap you into his presence and say, welcome, because he needs us here. We are his body here. We are the emissaries for his kingdom. We're the ones that tell people about him, that get to share the gospel so that more people can come to know him and know his love and know his grace and his mercy. But in the middle of that, that is dirty and it's mucky and it's gross and it's broken. And we have to go through suffering in order to live out this faith. Now, the point, and I I wrote this in your outline. When you buy into Jesus, you're, you're giving up You know what you're giving up, but what are you getting? Here's what it's going to cost me, but what am I getting for it? What am I getting for it? When you buy into Jesus, Jesus, you get the whole enchilada. You get the whole enchilada. Which means you get his life. You get his suffering. You get his death. You get his resurrection, and then you get to be with him in glory. But you don't start in glory. You—it's funny because 
we go through this life and it's like in the first century, the kind of suffering that Paul is talking about is not the kind of suffering that you're going through. The kind of suffering in the first century where they were hunting down Christians and they're killing people for, for, for following Jesus, uh, we, don't, we don't deal with that. There are places in the world that are still like that, but we don't deal with that. The kind of suffering that we go through, though, I still find people shocked that life is hard. Paul says, don't be shocked that life is hard. Don't be shocked that you've got enemies or that people oppose you. Expect it. Expect it. Because when you buy into Jesus, you're saying, I've given you my life and I'm going to follow you. Well, guess what happened to Jesus? He was tortured to death. He was mocked. He was plotted against. If that's not happening to you, praise God. If you're following Jesus, it's not going to be smooth sailing. Those rocks in the road, they're just evidence that you're doing something right because Jesus was not smooth sailing. They would invite Jesus over for dinner and then put a sick, crippled person in front of him on the Sabbath just to see what he would do. And then if he did the right thing, they would blame him for it. Um, my wife watches this show called House Hunters. You watch that one? Have you seen Tiny House Hunters? With the people that want to buy the, the house that's like this big? Um, I was watching an episode... Well, she was watching an episode, let's put it that way. I happened to see it while it was on. And uh, these, the realtor brought them into this trailer, and the, they, they walk in, and the, the wife was like, oh, yeah, it's cute. Oh, it's cute. Um, I don't know if this is kind of small. And she looked at the refrigerator, and she goes, yeah, that's kind of small. And, oh, the dishwasher's kind of small. And I don't think my queen-size bed's going to fit up there. And the realtor goes, it's a tiny house. You asked me to bring you to a tiny house. You're surprised that everything is tiny. You can't bring your regular-sized stuff into your tiny house. When you give your life to Jesus, you can't be surprised that it comes with hardship. It's like moving into a tiny house. Everything's small. You give your life to Jesus. Things are hard, but they're glorious. And the thing that you get, you don't get, you don't get the comfort. You don't get, the, you don't get all of that stuff. What you get is Jesus you get a relationship with your Savior. You get to know that you're right with God, that he forgives you when you sin. That's what you get. You get a God who listens to you when you pray. And you get to know that when you die, you're going to be with him forever in perfect peace. That's what you get. And it's worth it everything you have to give up, all of the physical pain that you're going through, it's worth it to know Jesus. 
all of the, the mental anxiety, all of the depression that you were going through, it's worth it to know Jesus. The people who oppose you, the people who are not nice to you, the people who treat you bad, it's worth it to know Jesus. Your financial struggles, it's worth it to know Jesus. It's worth it. Everything and more, it's worth it. I told you I'm tired, did I? I think I remember doing that. Um, one more story, and then I'll, I'll conclude it. Um, we were watching a movie. We rented a movie from Redbox um, on Thursday, and we were watching this movie, and it's called Ugly Dolls, and I don't recommend it. It's horrible. Um, but it's about these ugly dolls. They're made wrong, and uh, they get sent to a place where all of the ugly dolls... Has anyone seen this that you would be willing to admit? Yes. <laughs> okay. So they get sent to a place where all the, all the ugly dolls live. And um, this one, the main character, this like pink ugly doll, she knows every day she wakes up and she goes over to her calendar and she writes, uh, this is the day. And she's hoping every day that a, that a human is going to pick her and then she's going to be loved by some little girl. Every day. And then on her calendar, every day it has that on her thing and every day is marked off because none, none of it happens. But she still wakes up every day and she's hoping. And then she finds out that there's this tunnel. So she goes on this epic adventure, and what she has to do is she has to leave everything behind. She has to leave her friends, all of the other ugly dolls, all of her, you know, her community and all her routine, um, her comfort zone. She has to leave all of that behind. She goes through this tunnel, and then there's bad dolls on the other side of this tunnel, these perfect dolls that just want to, like, pick on her and, like, beat her up and, and, and stop her. And then they try to throw her into a furnace. It's horrible! And the whole time you have to listen to singers pretending like they're actors, which is bad. So it's like it even hurts just to hear it. But what happens in the end is this little ugly doll gets out into like the human world and she gets picked by a little girl by her parents parents leave it on her bed and she like rolls over and she sees this ugly doll this little girl and she gives the doll the doll a hug and um the the you see like the doll's face just like lights up and it's like for that little doll everything that led up to that moment was worth leaving behind because the doll had one purpose for existing, which was to bring joy to a little girl and to be loved. Our purpose for existing is to have a relationship with God. That's the only thing that matters in this life. It's the only thing. Billy Graham used to say that there is a God-shaped hole in every person's heart, and you can shove as many things as you can into that hole, but it's never going to satisfy you because it's reserved for God. And if you have to give all of that up 
in order to have real purpose fulfilled and satisfaction spiritually and to know that you're loved by your creator? Why not? What would you hold on to? In following Jesus, you have to give up things and that'll hurt, but it's worth it. You have to count those important things as lost for the sake of knowing Christ, those titles and relationships, those achievements, maybe even your family. But Paul shows us in this passage that counting the cost is something that you don't just do when you give your life to Jesus. It's something that you do in your life in Jesus. You are constantly counting the cost because there's constantly things in your life, aren't there? Everything that is in your life currently, here's what you do. Hold out your hands right now. Just put them like this. Everything that you have in this life, you hold it like this. So God doesn't have to break your fingers when he takes it away. Because it's his. And when you live like this, you allow him access to everything that you have. And nothing is reserved. Nothing is is, is taken away from him. Everything is his. And he can give and he can take away. And we continue to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we Lord, we are humbled just to know you. I can't even say just to know you. God, we are humbled to know you. Humbled to know that you're there. Humbled to know that you love us. Humbled to know what you want from us. Humbled to have your word speak into our lives. Humbled, God. We are so humbled. Lord, there is nothing that we are holding back from you. It's all for you because it's all from you. And everything that's in our lives that doesn't honor you, every attitude, every behavior, every action, every habit, God, we submit those things to you. Take them back. Take them away from us. We just want to live for you. We want to live in you. We want to be known in you. And God, thank you that you, you promise us that we can have that if by faith we submit ourselves to you, if we give our lives to you, if we repent and seek you, that you will save us. And we go from being lost to being found. And we find that purpose. We fill our heart with you and you satisfy us completely. God, help us to hold all of, all of the things in our lives with open hands and do whatever you want with those things. God, we are your servants. We love you. We're